0: You're listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series produced by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead, a connection hub for current and emerging faith leaders curious about big ideas and breakthrough practices for ministry. In this episode, recorded August 6th, 2020, Lisa Luton, Dorothy Stein, and Joe Natwick address the topic, Finding Abundance in the Badlands, Collaboration in Worship and Community.
1: I'm Lisa Luton. Joe and I serve together at a larger church in southwest North Dakota in a city called Dickinson. The church is St. John Lutheran Church. And we've been working together for about five years, and we're part of what's called the Badlands Conference. And Dorothy is one of our partners. I've been at St. John about 13 years.
0: Joe? Yeah, I'm uh, Joe. I'm the associate pastor at St. John. I've been here for five years, and uh, that's me. So there you go. (laughs) And Dorothy.
2: And I'm Dorothy Stein. I am, well, now a new head pastor with a pastoral intern, but I was a solo pastor over the Dunn County Lutheran Parish, so about a half hour north of where uh, Joe and Lisa serve as one of my three rural churches. I, I serve three churches um, that form the Dunn County Lutheran Parish, and I've been there for about four years.
3: Wonderful. Uh, well, thanks all three of you for being here. And if I could just kind of ask, you know, one of you to kind of share what came about, and I think the, the impetus was was the pandemic and all of the shutdowns that we did as, as congregations. So uh, maybe start there and then what, um, what proceeded?
2: I think we said I was going to start. Okay. I think that's what we decided. So um, I think that we in rural ish North Dakota uh, had a bit of a heads up in regards to the pandemic. We saw across the country as churches were beginning to um, move away from in person worship and towards online worship. And then when the pandemics and the virus started spreading here in North Dakota about mid-March, we knew we were gonna quickly have to adapt as well. And without hesitation, my first call, once we decided we were going to be ending in-person worship was to call, actually, no, it was even before I had made the decisions with my councils that we were going to close in-person worship, Um, my first call was to Lisa um, to say, hey, we're thinking we're gonna end up doing this, what might this look like for all of us to partner together in the Badlands Conference um, and do this together? Because we saw all of our colleagues across the country moving to these online platforms and, and I'd already been hearing from folks that it was a lot, <laughs> it was a lot to handle and I'd seen so many people um, doing that alone from their living rooms, which is certainly a beautiful option, but I thought, my knee-jerk reaction was to call my colleagues um, down south, and so we began uh, to gather for that, and we came up with um, the the format that we followed, which I think Lisa is going to talk a little bit more about what we decided and what it's going to look like, um, and then similarly, we also have. Um, online Facebook devotions with uh, Joe and Lisa, we're going to do for their congregation and I caught wind of it and I just love bandwagoning. So I called Lisa, I think again and said, Hey, do you want to do that by yourself? Or should we all take a turn? And I think that uh, so that's what this was born of was some knee jerk reactions to immediately call each other, which I think is bred of some really special stuff in our conference we're a very very collegial conference we we do a lot of tech study together we check in with each other and so i think um in that way that's the strength of our conference and in our area that when when things were getting um, more difficult for a lot of us our, our first response was okay what are how are we going to do this together um as pastors of our area so that's how it was born. I think I can stop
1: there now. I don't know if I'll hop back in, but.
3: Sure. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I've been a part of the conference long enough to see pastors come and go, so I think it's worth saying that not in every season of the Badlands conference would the natural knee-jerk reaction for all of us be to call each other and work together. It's really a unique set of leaders, I think, that greatly trust one another. We do funerals for each other's places when we're on vacations, so we're all familiar faces to the people. So we would meet once a week, uh, usually in person, spaced out and plan worship. As there were five of us from eight congregations, we could preach really infrequently. So Joe and I get to hear somebody else preach every other week and I'm thankful I get to hear really good sermons on those weeks, but most of my colleagues don't have that gift. So I think it was really um, quenching the thirst of our souls to be able to sit back and hear sermons and to spend several weeks preparing on sermons if we chose to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the midst of how lonely it was to preach to empty pews, I felt very, very grateful for the four other people in my life who led worship with me. And I'll just share a quick illustration of that. Uh, during Holy Week, which was really weird for everybody, on Monday, Thursday at the church Joe and I serve, there's a longstanding practice to wash each other's hands. And it's this incredibly touching moment when people walk up to the front and wash the hands of whomever is behind them so there's old people and young people and people you know don't get along very well but just happen to sit too close together that day and it's always beautiful to see just god doing that among the people so monday thursday was really hard not seeing people do that so i didn't i could not make it through that service i was too teary and um have all of those people leading worship together was an incredible, incredible gift. I'd also say we landed at St. John because there's been a radio broadcast there since 1949. So it was really easy to choose this one location. We all felt really good about being at the same place, even though we wondered about rotating among our churches, but it just made sense to be right there. And then uh, Joe figured About all the hard stuff, so so I'll let you go next.
0: Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, like a lot of pastors in the country, I learned how to do a lot of technology really quickly, uh, which was fun, Uh, and it was something that we could do. I think Dorothy talks about how like one, two of her rural churches don't even have internet, and so like that's where you have to sort of rest on each other's gifts. Like our church had fairly good internet, so that also was an impetus for. Sort of being a hub of this collaboration, I'm just going to talk a tiny bit about what I think like some of the impact is, and then you know we I think that'll be about it. Um, I graduated from Luther Seminary five-ish years ago, and you know, in ten years we've really seen a lot of shift in the ELCA, a a downward decline of numbers of all the sort of. Stats that we follow can be fairly depressing and our time in seminary can sometimes be very terrifying because you're sort of going out into the church knowing that you're going to have to be an innovator, uh, which is not always the easiest sort of work. Well, what I really, really loved about this experience, besides the things that uh, Dorothy and Lisa have already talked about, it is just the, the sort of theological vision of abundance that I think we encountered. I think on a day-to-day basis, we don't really encounter that. You sort of see the same people in worship and maybe over the years you see a little bit less as people die off. Um, But in this collaboration, it was sort of like this really amazing coming together of of all of our churches into this like one thing that we were doing. Um, So I think our reach was really big. And I think because of the collaboration, it actually reached beyond, I think the reach we thought we would have, especially with the Facebook devotions, I mean, that idea of just saying three to four minutes of of like where is god at right now in this moment uh just spread like wildfire our first couple of weeks of doing bad uh, devotions from the badlands i mean some of our videos were getting six seven thousand hits i mean in our little rural you know neck of north dakota where that kind of spread is just not something we think exists so in that way i you know i think as we are going forward into the future of the elca into the future of what it means to be church uh, i think the blurred boundaries between our physical buildings i think that work of blurring those boundaries is going to be really important we're all sort of on the same team and i think it is like high time we all start acting like we're on the same team that we're all out here in the business of changing people's lives With the message of jesus christ and the grace and freedom that god gives to us each day and so uh, as those boundaries between our physical properties blur i just think the effectiveness of our ministry and our message is going to be uh, really ramped up so
3: that's sort of my takeaway from this experience together beautiful yeah and i think that was kind of the abundance in the community kind of the that, that didn't it didn't start with this. It actually sounded like the ground was prepared, and you had leaders that were, you know, used to collaborating well together. Uh, and I wonder if I could. How does that happen, Lisa? What you know, I, I could see some natural um, defenses or just some challenges with collaborating at this level, where you know people may be putting their identity as a congregation at risk and that sort of thing. But did you? Did you encounter any kind of resistance or challenges in doing this? Or if not, then to what would you attribute that?
1: Well, part of that, um, it's a really important question, I think, and I'd love to hear Dorothy talk about it, too. This area of the state is really more Catholic. So we don't have Lutherans everywhere. We have Lutherans spread out. But I think that's part of the lack of competitiveness we really do need to stick together, but that doesn't remove the silos that often exist. Um, but maybe Dorothy can get to that. So I think um,
2: that's one of the uh, gifts of, of um, rural ministry happening in a parish, which certainly sometimes has its downfalls and its challenges too. But one of the good things about um, a a parish that's worked to be healthy in and among itself is that it's a group of people um, of three different churches that is already used to sharing leadership and Mm -hmm. having a shared identity. So I think in that way, while my rural churches did not have internet, so we weren't poised for this. In other ways, rural congregations were really ready for this because they're already used to sharing a pastor amongst themselves and sharing themselves in that way. And, um, we've had some significant um, instances in, in my congregations where they've had to share ministry. And so um, I think in that way, rural churches actually were really ready for this. Uh, they were used to, to having to come together and, and similarly rural communities as well. Um, that's not to say some people didn't love it, but I'm really excited. So as we've gone back to in-person worship, um, some of my folks are still uncomfortable and we're still working on the tech in my larger church to make it um, high quality to do online worship. And in the meantime, we've just said, please keep going to St. John's and Dickinson. And every week I have a whole bunch of people that is still going to Joe and Lisa's church. And I've checked in with them and they just love it. And they've, they've said to me, you know, oh, we're used to it. We know those pastors by now. This is fine. So, um, I guess sort of, that's something i think that the rural church was was ready for in a lot of different ways that that helped keeping them from panicking about their own individual identities
3: yeah thanks for that that's great any other joe or lisa would you add anything to that about kind of overcoming those risks
0: (laughs) yeah you know i think there's always some risk when you have rural and city you know there can always be something there between the rural and the city or between like the the big church and then smaller churches but you know i just don't think we saw a lot of that and um like i think dorothy's saying i think I, I think there's also a sense out here that you know in all aspects of life we sort of work together and so it would make sense that our pastors would also work together to make it happen uh our radio broadcast it actually reaches all of the areas that these pastors serve um, so in some ways, like I know from many anecdotes that like a lot of the worshipers in some of these rural places will even just tune in to us as they're driving to their congregations. I just think, you know, for me, the, the idea that like our pastors wouldn't be sort of alone, not just in this moment, but in future moments, but that we recognize that like this is our shared work uh, and that the people would recognize that this is our shared work. I think, you know, it's always better to have five pastors than just one too. So it's good too.
2: And with that, I think that, you know, a lot of us have had to do, along with learning technology, are trying to do a lot more content creation, not just Sunday worship, but devotions or other types of Christian education. And I think by sharing the load, the quality of those things has been higher. And if each one of us had to do it all by ourselves, that's not to say our colleagues are doing great work that are doing it by themselves, but it has been great to have that space. And then to have that space in our schedules too, to make the time to reach out to those few folks who aren't online, you know, we have the space in our lives to do that because um, it's a shared shared load.
3: Wonderful. Well, if I could ask about, um just your, your personal learnings as leaders, uh, you know, what have you learned? What has this taught you? Uh, what do you feel like you are learning through this last season? And, uh, you know, you haven't already shared something here about being growing as a leader,
0: right? I'll say one thing, um, you know, I think it's really easy to put off innovation. Um, we talked about having an online streamed worship service for so many years uh but then a pandemic happened and then we had scrambled and i'll tell you scrambling was not fun it was like a month of pure technology hell uh but we made it but i you know i think as a leader um you know you hear that reflection when people say like don't wait till you're dead you know don't wait till the next pandemic to do the innovations that you know are necessary today you know if you see that you need to do these things then you know i think as a leader it's sort of responding to that that need
3: um
1: i would add to that um in our conference like everywhere there aren't enough pastors so churches are really trying to figure out um how to call past how to how to equip leaders and have leaders and what does their future look like and um, this isn't the most attractive area of the world to come and be a pastor it's not everybody's first choice So I wonder if this experience um, accelerated some kind of sense of teamwork and trust, relying on each other. Uh, There have to be big changes around the corner that God's up to in our area where there are lots of small churches and few people in a lot of them and not enough pastors to come and serve them. So maybe this moved some collaboration forward a little bit faster we'll see what the future holds. I'm excited to find out.
3: Okay. Um, Yeah, and I guess uh, the, first of all, any other questions from our our listeners or other members here, if you've got a question, drop it in the chat, or you can, you know, we're a small group here, so I think you can open up your mic and ask. Um, But I think we've got a lot of I love the spirit of abundance among you. And I wonder how that has shown up in your congregation, you know, because um, it can it can be easy to think scarcity if you're thinking about numbers declining or we've lost everything you've lost, but it sounds like a lot of the language is about what you're finding and what God is giving. And I'm wondering how that shows up for your, your people.
1: I think I'll tie that to Carl's question about returning to in-person worship uh we've all gone back to in-person worship because we've felt a lot of pressure from the people in our congregations and leadership even though i don't know if it's the right thing we're all um back in the building so um is there Abundance in knowing that if things change quickly, if numbers go on the rise, we know what our plan is. We don't have to scramble again, but we have this um, really plan already in place to be together again.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, if those 6,000 people that are watching your devotional, the Badlands devotion, you know, start showing up.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Wouldn't that be okay? Yeah.
2: I think to answer both your questions also, um, just briefly the, the hybrid question. I mean, if we have to go fully back, I know Lisa already answered that, but um, we've also talked, you know, if things do remain the same, still having moments throughout the year for all of us to come together. We had discussed possibly a Thanksgiving type moment, a, a, maybe a blue Christmas type moment. Um, I imagine we'll do something during Holy Week again. <laughs> um, so I, I think, you know, we plan on continuing in various ways, and it depends how the year unfolds, how much so. Um, uh, And as far as abundance, you know, you'd asked about silos, and and churches kind of getting jealous of each other, but when we came back to in person, and I got to visit with my folks, uh, we're a half hour from where Joe and Lisa are, and they had so much fun, apparently, visiting with their family or friends or whoever people in the grocery store they ran into in Dickinson, the big town, bigger town where Joe and Lisa are, and suddenly their family members knew who I was or who Pastor Mike was, and so they enjoyed being able to to share that. So that's a place where I saw abundance, and I go to Dickinson, and some people call me the Strawberry Pastor because of my first devotion, and, um, and my people are excited about that. They could very easily have not been excited about that and had fearfulness, but um, that's just not how they responded
3: all right awesome okay i think um thank you so much thank you for what what you're doing you're participating what god is doing in the you know in your conference it sounds like there is a lot of community beautiful community and it's you know showing up in your people and in your work
0: thanks for listening to faithful adaptation an audio series from luther seminary stay up to date on our faith lead conversations and see upcoming guests in the series Join the FaithLead Learning Laboratory, the social network for Christian leaders to connect and share at faithlead.mn.co. Thanks for joining us.